welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, myself and Dave are joined by Jess Harcourt and Becky Glover. They talk us through their career journeys and how they have used their qualifications to further develop and extend their network. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register. We've put a link in our show notes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined this evening again by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Ben. How are you this week? In fact, how are you? have you been over the last fortnight since we last spoke? The last fortnight. It has been a really, really busy fortnight. Last week, we didn't have a live episode. Both me and Dave were out at other events. It was actually International Women's Day on the evening that we recorded the podcast and there was lots of events going on. So we were double booked. Um, Incredibly busy time in the classroom, back in the centres. Lots of stuff going on. In the last two weeks, we have had exam sessions for ACCA and ICAW. I'm actually in Cambridge this week teaching another ICAW class. I made a joke with the group this morning. I don't know about you, but there was frost on the ground this morning when I walked the dog early before I went into the office. And this is the one course that we start with frost on the ground, but we were preparing students for their exams, which are going to be in July. So I made a bit of a a joke with the class saying, we're learning this stuff when there is frost on the ground. When we're back doing the exam, hopefully the weather will have turned and we will be in blistering heat and sunshine. So, so busy, busy. How are things with you, Dave, and your, your colleagues in Essex? Yeah, good. Thank you, Ben. Last week, we actually hosted a International Women's Day event, which was um, put together by our good colleague, um, uh, Shelley Tweed. Um, and it was amazing. It was really, really good. We had some fantastic speakers um, and it, it was a really, really good event, which is why I couldn't make it, um, obviously, last week. We also have people taking exams. We have done over the last couple of weeks. I was at a conference this week. So Monday, Tuesday, I was at a conference in Birmingham and finding out about all of the new news in the world of apprenticeships. But when I came, I stayed in the hotel just up the road. And when I um, came down the the lift in the morning to um, to go to, to, to my conference, the doors kept open. I was on the 16th floor and I didn't even know buildings came that high coming from Essex where they don't build them that big. But we came down, the doors opened every floor to let new people in. And one door opened, I think about the second floor, and there's a big sign opposite that said ICAW exams this way. So there were obviously some, I, I don't know whether they, you know, they just knew who I was and they booked me into that hotel because I'd be near some of the, some of the people that are, you know, my kind um, or, or something like that. But no, it was really reminded me that there were people doing exams this week when I saw that as I was off to my conference. Brilliant. Hopefully the conference went well and hopefully everybody made their way to the exam in the, the hotel. Um, good luck to all of the listeners who will now be in that um, horrible waiting for results cycle that our students tend to go through um, quarter in, quarter out. So last Wednesday was International Women's Day. We have lined up a couple of guests to come on the podcast and then suddenly realised myself and Dave were double booked. So really, really pleased we can introduce them potentially a week late, but the message is here and they are still as great and empowering guests as they would have been last week. I'm going to say hello and welcome to the Student Forum and Podcast to, first of all, Becky Glover. Good evening, Becky. Hello, hello. (laughs) And also Jess Harcock. Good evening, Jess. Hi, are you all right? Yeah, we're good, thank you. We're good. So... 
when myself and Dave get a guest on the podcast, we usually start off by asking them to share a bit of their backstory, how they got into the world of accounting and finance and how they've got to the positions that they're in today. So um, we'll start with Becky, just because in, in alphabetical order, she would come first. Um, Becky, um, where's your where's your backstory? Yeah, so um, I left school when I was 17. I had sort of had enough of that. Um, so sixth form university, the sort of channels that everyone else was, was doing um, just didn't appeal to me. Um, I had no idea what I actually would do, but I just knew that that wasn't it. Um, so kind of, kind of lucky, my father was actually an accountant. Um, and so I just started off being like an office junior for a solicitor's firm, um, literally just making tea and coffee and doing the photocopying, <laughs> um, which was thrilling. But then I thought I really do need to get some qualification and get some sort of career. So with my father being an accountant, he said, well, you know, AAT is obviously the best qualification there is. So I moved into a really teeny tiny little practice um, and they saw me through my AAT, um, which I did at first intuition. Um, I then moved after that onto my ACCA um, and I moved to a bigger firm um, and qualified there. Then as quickly as I qualified, um, we got out the door and went into industry. Um, so I worked for a biotech company. So I'm based around Cambridge. So there's lots of sort of tech and pharmaceutical type companies around there. So just by chance, I worked for a biotech company um, who were like a bigger listed firm doing lots of amazing scientific research and clinical trials and things that just blew my mind um and then just more recently i moved into a technology company so te software technology um i was their finance manager to start with so they did an mbo and spun out so i set up their finance um department from absolutely nothing to where it is today um, and then now we are four and a half years on and I'm their finance director. I look after finance, um, legal, insurance, sales operations, um, office management, all, all, all the good fun stuff. Um, and then just more recently, uh, so in September last year, I was appointed to the AAT Council. And then beginning of this year, I joined the ACCA corporate panel. Um, so that's that's me in a real quick, <laughs> quick beat. But um, yeah, so like a lot of your students, I did the AAT and then ACCA route whilst I was working. Um, so I understand the stress. I understand the tears and tantrums it can bring. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely once you're out of the other side, um, the qualifications give you such a great grounding and you can really run and, and then take it wherever you want to take it, really. Nice one, Becky. Well, thank you. Lots that we can explore in a moment around that career journey, the stories from studying. Um, our paths have crossed. We actually trained at the same firm and we overlapped there for a matter of weeks before I joined First yeah. Intuition. And then you were actually in a number of my ACCA classes when I first started teaching. So yeah. really we were in nice different offices, weren't we? So 
um we never i think i saw your name and that was that was probably the extent of our paths crossing um and then yeah as you say you joined um first intuition so um yeah obviously our paths were meant to cross more times <laughs> excellent excellent well um we've got our second guest tonight jess good evening jess um your backstory okay so mine's quite similar to becky's in the sense that when i left school at 16 i didn't have a clue what i wanted to do i got with good grades um, so the logical thing was go to college, go to university, but I just didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. So I lasted two weeks doing A-levels and then dropped out. And I went and followed my passion at the time, which was football coaching. I went to work for a local football club and had a great time there. I spent two years there coaching football, um, teaching circus skills, doing loads of fun, different things. Um, and then from there, just sort of fell into an admin job at a local company. Um, my line manager had actually already done AAT and she recommended it as a potential qualification. I was always quite good at spreadsheets and had a head for numbers. And um, she thought that AAT would be a good route. I'd never really considered accountancy. I thought that you had to go to university and get a degree to become an accountant. Little did I know what was out there. Um, so I did AAT level two and three. And I was, I've always been quite active on social media and that kind of stuff. So once I've qualified with level three, I um, was headhunted by um, somebody online. And I actually got an opportunity to go and work at Social Chain, which is a social media marketing company. At the time, no one knew who it was. It was like 2014, social media marketing. No one really understood it. No one knew it was a thing. Um, but it was a company set up by Steve Bartlett, who's a dragon on Dragon's Den. I think there's quite a lot of people that know him in the media now. So there was him and his business partner, Dominic McGregor. So they were looking for someone to be the first person in their finance team. So I got the opportunity to do that. So even though I wasn't qualified, like I'd only just finished level three, I got this opportunity to go and work with some amazing people. But because I had the work experience, that's what they were interested in more than qualifications. So I spent six years at Social Team. So I finished AAT. So I did my level four there, which was tough working for a startup and studying and trying to balance everything. It was it's one thing working and studying. I think we all appreciate that, but working at a startup is a different kettle of fish. It's it's all hands on deck all the time. So I definitely took a year out at some point because I just couldn't balance everything off. Um, once I'd, once I'd done level four, I moved on to ACCA. So I started ACCA at Social Chain. And then in 2020, Dom and Steve actually exited the company. So I'd seen the company go through an IPO. We'd floated on the stock market. It was, it was really interesting. It was a great opportunity. But then Steve and Dom decided to exit during lockdown. And they decided they were retiring. And um, from after a few weeks of Dom, uh, being retired and, and deciding what he was going to do next, he set up a company called Fearless Adventures, which is actually a venture capitalist company. But the idea is that rather than just investing cash into businesses, he also wanted to offer these entrepreneurs support. So Steve and Dom set up Social Chain when they were in their early 20s, didn't really know what they were doing, made a lot of mistakes along the way. And he decided that he'd be able to help entrepreneurs and business owners not make those same mistakes and I think it can be quite a lonely place when you own a business on your own and um, so Bayless gives people cash of course and we've got a full marketing team we've got a recruitment team and then I do the numbers 
So for these businesses that maybe they all have external accountants doing their set accounts and things like that, but they might not be at a stage yet where they can afford an in-house finance team. So I'm sort of there to bridge the gap and help be in the middle. So I work for the investors. The investors get to see the numbers regularly, but I also work for the companies as well and try and support the business owners with making decisions and understanding their numbers a little bit better as well. Brilliant, Jess. So again, lots of stuff there that we can tap into as we go through this evening's discussion. Dave, if I can, I might bring you in there. Interesting to hear from both Becky and Jess that their entry roles were initially more general office admin and the fact that they were then able to join the AAT study route. Something that we certainly see as tutors, that that route being very accessible to people, very inclusive. Um, and any thoughts on that, Dave, or questions from, from you? Yeah, it's something we do see we do see a fair amount of, isn't it? Of people that kind of almost kind of drift into finance or find finance after kind of getting a role somewhere. And, and quite often we see people that have started as kind of business administrators or customer service type team members, things like that, that then make that move and think, well, actually, you know, and I think it's probably the fact that they realise that number that accountancy is not as scary as you first think it's going to be because you first think it's going to be I need to be a math genius and you don't need to be a math genius you need to you need to be numerates but you, you don't need to understand calculus and things like that and I think listening to both Jess and Becky I think that it, you, 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 in terms of the businesses you've worked for it sounds to me like you've had some really really exciting opportunities that you've been part of so things like you know when you have got management buyouts or when you've got trade sales things like that they're the, they're the really exciting parts of you know uh, parts of running and managing a business um, and being part of that sounds really exciting and I, I know a, a fair amount about um social chain from um Steve Bartlett's um podcast because I when I remember I, I listened to the years and years and years ago when I think he recorded in his um in his flat and a lot of the things that he talks about there that you described, Jess, about that kind of loneliness of running and managing your own business is something that definitely resonates with me. And I think that work that you're doing there sounds really, really exciting as well. Brilliant. So let, let's move the discussion on and think about something Jess mentioned, um, social media and profiles. I had a sneaky look at both of your LinkedIn profiles when I was getting the train home from, from teaching today, and I was blown away. If you wanted a case study of a brilliant, engaging, interesting, exciting LinkedIn profile, either of your two would be a phenomenal thing for our listeners, our students to go and have a look at. Um, Becky, maybe maybe you first. How hard do you have to work at that LinkedIn profile? Um, so I actually find the more you post, the easier it is. So when I first started posting, not really that long ago, I was like, what am I going to say? <laughs> What's going to be interesting to people? Like, what if I get something wrong or whatever? But the more I post, it's it's weird, but the more I post, the more I have to say. Um, so I just really post about what I've been doing um, 
what events are coming up. Um, so anything that's current to me, my career and, and sort of my professional life. Um, and then you get to also see other people, see what they're up to. And when you use it more and more, you start to follow people's story a little bit more. Um, and so then you can kind of follow how they're doing and you get to see people that are then studying AAT and they're moving on and it's great to see that. And so, yeah, I literally just post anything that comes into my mind. <laughs> um, so I posted about today um, saying, you know, I'm coming on this, this podcast. Um, here's the link, like you must listen. Um, just because I think I find it really useful when other people post that sort of stuff that I can then click on and go, oh, that is a really good podcast. Let me listen. It makes things so much easier. If someone is just going to feed you information and go, this is a good book, this is a good podcast, whatever it is, um, or this is a good event, go and do these. It's like, okay, that's nice and easy. So, um, and actually the community on LinkedIn is great like I love that um me, me and Jess sort of connected a lot on LinkedIn and we've got other great friends now that we met through LinkedIn and they're all sort of professionals a lot of them in accounting and finance but not all of them and you get to network online and yeah I just I love a bit of LinkedIn I think it's brilliant I think it's a great community everyone's very positive um and yeah I've met some really good friends through it. Jess you're you're nodding and smiling there on the webcam I'm hopeful you will say yes to um, students, listeners finding you, searching you up, connecting with you both on LinkedIn. Is that something you're open to, Jess? Yeah, 100%. That's what it's there for. Um, I'm quite like Becky. I, I just post whatever I fancy posting in the day. So it's not all super professional, as in it's, I'm quite um, a fitness freak. I do a lot of I'm marathon training at the moment. So some of what I post is around those kinds of things. and um, if anyone's ever ran any long distances, I've got a post coming out this week about mental resilience around running and things like that. And it's things about how that benefits me in a professional sense, but it's talking about running. Um, I've shared loads of different things as well that aren't anything to do with finance, could be about how I'm feeling in the day. Um, maybe I put off doing a, a big task and procrastinating and, and that kind of thing as well. It's not just about this is a massive big spreadsheet that I've been working on today, if that makes sense. So it, it's about putting a bit of personality across. I think, especially with any community, it's about the people that are invested in it. So finding like-minded people rather than just accountants is, is great and personality is, is a big thing. That That's showing the personal side and something when we were talking before we, we went on air this evening, I'm just talking how I think you are really great role models for our students. Your stories are phenomenal, but you resonate with the students because you've been there, you've done that, you've entered, you've done the AAT journey, you've then gone on and, and done other qualifications on the back of that. Um, I think that's fantastic and showing that kind of personal dimension. Um, Dave, I, I know we, we've talked about LinkedIn um, in, in other episodes as well. Are you increasingly seeing people using it now to also talk more than just in, in originally? I think it was a way that you would kind of very much have a closed connection of people in your industry and sector. Now we're seeing people talk about stuff going on in their own lives. Is that something you're seeing on, on your LinkedIn feed? Yeah, um, I, I, I was always whenever 
when I started using LinkedIn, I tended to see lots of people just trying to sell the services of the business that they work for. Um, and I, I, I personally have got a reasonably reasonably good filter that enables me just to quickly scroll past those and not really pay any attention to them. Uh, whereas I, I'm, yeah, as I think that, um, that, that, that Jess and Becky have both said that it's seeing other people's stories is what gets me engaged. And, you know, if someone is telling me something about going for a run or if someone's telling me about the kids football team that they train or, or something like that, I'm far more likely to watch it and uh, to, to read it. I'm far more likely to remember it. And I'm far more likely to remember that person afterwards. And if I meet them in real life, it will be, oh, how was the marathon? Um, you know, rather than I'm never going to meet someone and say, oh, how is your managed web service that you seem to be promoting all the time on LinkedIn? Because I'm, I'm never going to remember that and I'm never going to associate them with it. So I think it's the, the right way to use it is all about building your own personal brand and telling people who you are. Um, and that that's, tends to be how I try and use it. And, and that personal brand being so powerful and, and going back to both Becky and Jess's LinkedIn profile, they are brilliant for that. I think both of you have got lots of stuff in there that demonstrates a breadth of experience and the fact you've also put yourself out there and gone beyond the, the, the standards to engage in things, to join networks. Um, Becky, I wonder if you wanted to talk about that for a moment, the fact that, that you have kind of consciously put yourself forward for things and, and not waited for opportunities to fall on your self, but actually seek them out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that you have to do at work and you have to do sort of as your sort of extracurricular um, work stuff. So if I had waited to be asked um, do you want a promotion or um, do you want to come to this event or do you want to speak at this event or whatever it might be like you're going to wait a really long time so yeah I have asked to speak at events I have um, well I put myself forward for the AAT council um, and the more you put yourself forward for things the more people see that you're open to those opportunities and then they come to you so until you say hi guys I really want to get involved more in the community I want to do these different things they don't know that you're actually looking for that stuff so yeah um the first sort of couple of times um it's a bit awkward and it's um a bit weird to say hello look at me I'm I, I'm Becky and I'd really like to do this I think I'd be really good um but actually if you do it more and more, it's just a bit of a muscle um, and it gets easier and easier. And then, as I say, people come to you anyway. So you don't necessarily need to put yourself out there quite as much either. Um, just just going to go to a question we've got in the chat box. We have got a live group of students with us this evening. Um, one's come through talking about this concept of imposter syndrome. Be interested to hear, Becky, have you ever been in a situation where you have that moment where you think, I'm not quite sure why I've said yes to this, how I've got here. Um, and you lose a bit of that that confidence initially to think, are people really going to listen? Do they really think I've got something interesting to contribute? Yes, all the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, e even now, you know, you have your doubts and you think like, um, you know, I'm, I'm really busy, I'm really tired. Um, am I really the right person for this? Um, but actually, then when you get into doing something, it's such a great feeling because 
Um, so I did another podcast uh, about six months ago and I put it out there, told people to listen, you know, on my social media. Um, and I got a few comments back, but then actually months later, I then get people come up to me and go, oh, I listened to that podcast you did. Um, and actually you gave this bit of advice and I did it and it worked really well. And thank you so much. And it's like, oh, I didn't even realize you'd listened. Um, even people that I work with, so day in, day out, I see them. They could have told me at any time that they had listened or they had enjoyed it or anything. Um, and it was only months later that they actually said that advice was really good. So yes, I definitely get that imposter syndrome although I think maybe that terminology is a bit wrong I think it's just putting yourself out of your comfort zone um, and that's positive whereas if you say like oh I think I have imposter syndrome you automatically think that as a negative thing um, and then you think oh maybe I shouldn't be doing this so I try and reframe that as it's just out of my comfort zone and that's therefore the exact things that I should be doing. And if it helps one person or if one person connects with me and, you know, someone's enjoyed it, then it's good enough. Pushing yourself is, is really important, isn't it, Je Jess? How do yeah. you overcome the, the kind of the, those fears and concerns that we all have? So I use Becky a lot for that kind of thing. So going back to creating this network and, and getting this group of people. What I've found with LinkedIn is that it's it surrounded me by loads of inspiring, amazing people that do push themselves and do put themselves out there, but they're also there to support me if I am a bit concerned or a bit worried. The amount of messages I've had from Becky where it's, I've seen this, I think you should go and do this. And she's the one pushing me to do stuff because she wants me to succeed as well and to to grow and challenge myself so I think having that network of people when you are doubting yourself that network of people to hold you up and sort of give you the reassurance and give you the support as well that is also really beneficial because we all feel like we're out of our depth a lot of the time and we're not really sure what we're doing so having a network of really supportive people and it takes time to build that it doesn't just appear overnight you have to put yourself out there to be able to find those like-minded people but they are so beneficial having those buddies having those allies those champions those people that can support yeah exactly um that, that they help you they really really do they give you confidence they give you encouragement and they're trusted aren't they to kind of give you an opinion and advice and and that that's um a brilliant thing to have and I would encourage everybody to seek out somebody that can be that kind of trusted advisor um not to want to make you blush but you, you've also and, and again there is this fear that if you make too big a thing of this it comes across as arrogant and overconfident and I think you two have done a phenomenal job at promoting the recognition you get for some of the work that you do and some of the things you're involved with so uh, I think you two initially met doing something for the AAT, is that correct? Yeah, so it was a um, three-part webinar. Um, you might still be able to find it. <laughs> it was last March for their Digital Decoded. So yeah, almost a year ago, their Digital Decoded um, sort of sessions. So myself and Jess were both invited on. We didn't know each other at all, um, but we did all three sessions. Um, and yeah, it just became really good friends. And we, as Jess said, like contacted each other on LinkedIn afterwards. And 
like Jess says it's you know me helping Jess but it's it's really both ways like if I've had a really bad day and I don't know what I'm doing anymore and you know I'm, I'm ready to pack it all in and just you know crawl into a hole um I message Jess and I'm like help me <laughs> um so yeah it's that sort of unconditional you're not going to be judged by someone relationship but um yeah so that um event went on to be nominated and then won uh best learning event of the year so um we were both really pleased about that so that was at the digital finance function awards which was in june probably the hottest day of the year in london <laughs> where you're in like you know full-on black tie type cocktail dresses and, and whatever but um yeah it was an amazing event we were both also nominated for rising hero in finance um unfortunately we didn't win that one but we had a fantastic night and yeah we we definitely shout about um what we've won what we've been nominated for but hopefully we try and do it in a way whereby we just put it out there and encourage others to go forward for awards or whatever it is that they might be doing. So yeah, it's it's important for us, I think, to put it out there so that other people feel confident to put it out there too. Yeah, not, not be embarrassed, not effectively hide them away, be incredibly proud of the work. And there is no better feeling, is there, than being recognised by others for something that, that you've done and something that you've dismissed in a way but actually it being called out is, is so powerful. Um, Becky, I understand you, you, you're running a session for the ACCA coming up on that very subject. Yes, uh, so myself, Jess, and then we're joined by two other wonderful ladies as well. Um, so it's another webinar for ACCA. So it's an event all around how you enter exam uh, exams. <laughs> no, no, we've done that. How you enter awards, um, why you should be entering awards, and the fact we're trying to just blow some myths out there um, and just trying to overcome the barrier of you can nominate yourself, you should nominate yourself, you should also nominate others, ask other people to nominate you too, like just bring the whole idea of awards up there and it's not some sort of scary um, thing that no one ever does um, because there are people that nominate themselves for awards and they don't say. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're trying to just make it a normal thing that yeah, people nominate themselves for awards. Some awards you can do that, some you can't, um, but why not? If you're proud of the work that you've put in and the achievements that you've made, like you definitely should go for it and nominate yourself so um yeah i'm gonna share the link to that if that's okay just because some people might want to join <laughs> perfect and we'll get it put in the show notes for the podcast listeners so you you can see that and you can register for the event um jess what what's your thoughts on that recognition within the the industry and, and wider than that yeah i think you have to shout about these things that you've done yourself. Um, I recently won an award at the Made in Manchester Awards. So I got to get glammed up and have a great time with a friend. Um, and it was just a really good night. I, I didn't expect to win, but I did win. Um, and it did give me a... It, at first, I was like, well, this is a bit cringe, isn't it? But afterwards, when I sat back and thought about it, it was something that I'd nominated myself for, but it was something that somebody in our marketing team has said you should nom nominate yourself for this so someone did push me to do it um 
But at the end of it, I was like, yeah, no, I, I worked really hard. I've worked really hard my whole career studying and working and learning and growing. Yes, I deserved that award because I've worked hard for it. So afterwards, I was like, no, it's not cringe. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of myself for putting everything in and then getting some recognition. It is, it's a great feeling for someone to recognise what, what I've done. And part of that award as well, I had to do an interview with a panel um, which was so nerve-wracking, but again, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and, and talking about yourself, especially I think as women, I think we really struggle to talk about ourselves and big ourselves up. Um, maybe that's a general sexist thing, but I think most women do identify with that. So it was good practice to do that and, and talk about all the things that we do that aren't just accounting and finance, that are, like I say, go back to the personality things and the support and, and all that kind of stuff. We're not just people sat here doing big spreadsheets and producing P&Ls all day long. We're, we're all way much more than that. So getting some recognition for that is, is amazing. Dave, what's your experiences of, of celebrating success, both within your teams and within the students that you've interacted with over the years? Uh, I, I think it's something that we should do more of. And I think that uh, I always try and encourage when I when I hear people's results to celebrate and um, kind of recognising their own success is it generally the results of their success come quite a long time after they've actually done the work and so it's kind of they've worked really really hard they've put loads and loads of effort in they've sat their exam and then they just wait and there's kind of like no release until you get those results and it's quite it's, i think sometimes quite difficult to reflect when you get those results that all the work you put in and it's very very easy to say oh i got through or, or, or i only just got through or oh i was quite lucky with that one rather than associating all of the hard work that led up to you being able to take that exam and get the result in some ways it's it's probably a bit easier with some of those papers where you get the result instantly because you get the result on the same day and you're thinking oh all that work that I was doing right up until you know, two nights ago, you know, that's paid off and I've got the result now. But I, I would encourage you to, um, to, to celebrate every success, you know, and, and really be proud of yourself all the way along your journey career-wise, and not just the exams, through kind of all of those little wins you've got. Um, and I've seen so many people that have, you know, played down things that they've done really, really well. Um, I've seen people that have kind of worked really hard got themselves into a position where they're, they're super well qualified with really good experience. And then they've applied for their dream job and they've got their dream job. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, how are we going to celebrate this? And their first response is, well, I haven't done the job yet. Instead of I've worked really hard to get here. And this is the reward for everything I've done so far. But their first thought is I've got to do the job now. That bit was easy. It's like, no, that bit's the really hard bit. Everything you've done to there is really hard. So I think we need to spend more time. And one of the things that, you know, I, I know we've talked about before is, you know, taking time to recognize all the effort that you put in. And I know some people do it by kind of like keeping journals. Some people do it by just, you know, exercising that kind of reflective practice of, well, what did it take me to get here? Uh, and be really, really proud of, you know, everything that you've done. And uh, that's one of the reasons I love being on here every Wednesday and seeing people that are chatting to us live and saying, I passed my exam, I've got my result. You know, it, we really should be success celebrating all of those successes. 
Excellent. Excellent. Something else, Dave, that I know will resonate with you is Jess and Becky's ability to really get out and about. Jess, before we, we came on air, you were talking about your speaker slot at the Accountex Expo in May. Do you want to yeah, talk so, a bit more about that? Because it sounded really exciting. Yeah, so I um, I do quite a lot of work with the AAP. And now that I am ACCA qualified, I qualified in March. Um, They've obviously seen what I've done with AAT and all the work that I've done with their media team. And ACCA approached me to do something very similar. So um, part of that is they've asked me to speak at the Countex in May. So it's for the AAT and the ACCA. And the idea, the panel that I'm talking on is about how getting students that have done AAT to move on to ACCA, because um, obviously that's the route that I did and why it's beneficial and just try and encourage a few more people to not just stop at AAT and carry on. So a, a really great subject and something I've certainly written about and spoken about for the AAT and First Intuition. It's something that you, you initially think, what I don't want to do is devalue the AAT qualification. Mm -hmm. The AAT qualification is a brilliant qualification. It was my entry route as well as, as yours, Jess, as yours, Becky, and for hundreds and thousands of our students. It's a really great way to go. And it's a brilliant qualification in its own right. But I think also we are doing a disservice if we don't show that it's a really, really brilliant springboard into further studies and the, the progression into the, the charter designated qualifications. Yeah, 100%. I think it's about what you want to do. I think it depends on your lifestyle as well. Some people are some people. <laughs> It takes how, however many years to do AAT. Some people are like, right, okay, I'm done now. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to carry on studying. It, it's a big investment of your time as well as obviously it's expensive. And if you've, if you've not got an employer that's willing to fund it, how do you fund it yourself? Like that's, it's like an expensive thing to do. But for me, doing ACCA was something I always, I wanted to be able to say that I'm certified chartered. That's what I wanted to do to be able to say at the end of it, once I'd started the AAT journey. So it was important for me and my career progression. Um, and I also think it's not as, the, the leap isn't as scary. I think some people think that AAT is completely different and it's not at all. I found that it helped my knowledge so much. Don't get me wrong, I didn't nail every single exam. Some of them I really struggled with. FM was a particular issue for me. <laughs> um, but it, it did give me a, most of them. It gave me the, a really good understanding and foundation. Like you say, that, that springboard, my knowledge from AAT and working all combined really helped me to get through ACCA as quickly as possible. It's, it's something certainly what we see in the classroom. The AAT is such a good building block. Mm -hmm. It gives students really essential skills, essential knowledge that, hopefully then means when they do progress up to ACCA they've got those baseline levels covered and can yeah. really thrive in the advancement and the, the, the further technicalities that are thrown at them but it really is quite undermining if you haven't got those core skills yeah. underneath it can effectively all come crashing down. Becky you're nodding that's obviously the the study journey and the route you took and I know you're a big advocate of both of the qualifications. Yeah, and um, like Jess, I really, ha I had one exam that I just, it just didn't click in my head. Um, and yeah, so I passed everything else first time, ne never anywhere near like 
prize winning <laughs> level. Um, I definitely found them hard. Um, and I, I think so many people maybe play that down a bit. They're like, oh, yeah, it's not easy. But, you know, sailing through them. It's like, no, it's really hard. And it's meant to be hard um, because otherwise everyone would do it. So I think that's also something we need to you know, remind ourselves that these are exams and qualifications that not everyone does uh, do. And that's for a reason. It's because it's really tricky and you do them to then, you know, tell people this is sort of my level of understanding, my level of knowledge because I've passed these exams. So, yeah, I didn't find the exams easy. Even actually AAT level, everyone says, oh, you know, yeah, that was great. So now I'm going to go on to do ACTA to give me a challenge or whatever. But a, even AAT, I was like, no, this is hard. <laughs> then I moved up to ACTN. I was like, no, hey, this is still hard. Um, so it just, you know, depends where you are with your um, sort of working life as well. I was quite lucky being in practice and then in industry, you know, you get to practice these things. Um, and so I found like the audit papers um, really easy, but that's because I was in an audit department, whereas tax, for example, I wasn't really doing tax day in, day out. So I found that really tricky. Um, and I think it's easy to beat yourself up, up about like, oh, I didn't pass first time or so and so I sat next to got like 85% and I squeezed through with a 51%. And I just, I was always so happy to get like, over 50%. I really didn't care. Um, and I think that's what's so refreshing about awards now as well, because I genuinely, for a, quite a while, thought that the only real awards that accountants won were like prize winner, you've got like the highest marks in the country on your ACCA exam, or like it felt like it was all geared towards academically what can you achieve within those few hours where you're sat in a cold sports hall or whatever um so it's really nice now you come out you do the sort of career side of it and you're being recognized for not just how many marks can you get on a paper but what impact you're having on businesses or other people because i think that's what people forget that businesses are people businesses serve people um, it's all surrounding individuals and people so if you can connect and um, really grasp individuals then yeah you'll, you'll have a wonderful career that's a, a brilliant observation and something that that's worth reminding all of our listeners about two things one the exams are really really hard and they are deliberately hard nothing that we work for that becomes easy is worthwhile or valued the hard work really makes it much more rewarding. And, and secondly, Becky, something you just said there, um, just because you get really high marks in your exams, and I want to encourage students to push for that, doesn't automatically make you a really useful and great accountant. And something that you two both have got in masses is the ability to communicate with people. You've come on tonight, you've talked really coherently, Jess, I'm sure it's something in, in your career journey that, that you've really um, been able to excel at. The ability to have a really good technical accounting brain, maybe not the best, as other people could get higher marks in exams, but you've got the ability to make that and communicate it to other people. 
Yeah, 100%. I think what we've got to remember is the software is so good now. I know we all have to do reconciliations and things like that, but the software is doing a lot of the technical um, technical accounting stuff. So if you can use the software, you win in half the battle. Um, the thing that I've always struggled with is you get your P&L every month and your balance sheet, great, that's fantastic. But how do the business owners then use that knowledge to then make decisions? Your job as the accountant, as the management accountant, whatever it is, is to interpret what those numbers are telling someone into some plain English. So it's no good just saying your revenue is this much and this is how much profit you've made. We need an understanding of, well, is the, is the revenue increased or has it decreased? Why is it increased? It's not just about saying what the numbers tell you. It's finding the why and the stories behind them. So it could be things like the marketing team ran a campaign on, on a particular product and then that product has sold better. It's having an, a, an all-round knowledge. The finance team is no longer... The people sat in the corner that are the fun police saying no to spending money. The finance team's job is to get everybody together and understand the business as, as a whole ecosystem and then help the business owners to make decisions about the future. So interpreting those numbers is so important and understanding the why and the story is, is equally as important as the numbers on the spreadsheet. And, and that's something we're really seeing now coming into the exams themselves, where lots more of the marks are allocated for your ability to explain things, to mm -hmm. interpret things, to evaluate things. Um, and, and I think traditionally in our industry, maybe actually we've kind of gone the other way. We've tried to make things more confusing and complicated, yeah. almost to show off almost to show look how brilliant and clever we are and other people don't understand this breaking down those barriers is so powerful isn't it to be able yeah. to communicate at a, a, a level that means you can deal with something that's really technically challenging but you can make it seem more straightforward to other people yeah of course there's there's loads of technical stuff that we're all doing all day long but that's why we get the, we've got the qualifications to be able to do them. The business owners or the people you're providing information for don't need to know this technical piece of tax legislation that you've just read or, do you know what I mean? It's not important to them. They just want to know what is that impact on them? What's the impact on the bottom line? Or what's the impact of the cash in the bank? Let's be honest, it's, it's that black and white for people. And I think to keep it simple and keep people engaged, because as soon as you start talking about IFRSs, Everybody else has, has turned off. I've turned off by that point because I'm not that interested. Just tell me how is it affecting me and what's it, what's it actually going to mean? Um, so it's just bearing in mind that information. It, it's our job to know that information, but we then have to interpret it plain English. That's what I always say. Keep it really simple. A, a brilliant skill and something that is massively, massively sought after and something I would encourage all of our students to work on to develop talking it over with other people increasing in the classroom now i encourage students to not write down an answer but actually talk to the person sitting next to them and explain it have a conversation about it because that's what's going on in the the workplace and and outside and something i know becky i'm conscious of time so so we'll wrap up in a moment because we we could spend another hour and still have more to say i'm sure and hopefully that's a sign that we've got something to invite you back. And if you'll come back, it would be great to have you on the podcast again. But something we were talking about before we came on air is the ability to actually um, go out there 
I think traditionally the view of the accountants and, and you mentioned a term back office what what's mm-hmm. your thoughts on on finance being a back office function of an organization oh it makes my blood boil hearing back office um Oh, I hate that term. But yeah, it's because accountants used to be seen as like the stuffy kind of boring people that were in the back of the office, literally hidden away in a corner, doing all the historical numbers that no one really cared about. But they had to be done. You know, every company had to have an accountant. And so they just sat in the back and stayed quiet. But now what I think is happening is those accountants are now actually front office um not that horrible back office term um and instead of just looking at historical numbers obviously that's an important part of what we do but we're looking at that we're taking those numbers and going okay so this is where the business is going is that the right direction do we need to pivot do we need to shift um because especially now like post-covid things happen so much faster and especially within covid everyone had to change what they were doing um so now we're really using accountants to go right we need you as sort of the hub of the business not just sat at the back so you know what's going on what can we do accountant what do you think about this business opportunity accountant it's much more about the opportunities rather than just was saying earlier like the fun police the accountant trying to shut everything down now the accountants are like enablers to that business because we can go yeah that's a good opportunity yes we've got the cash in the bank looks good we'll you know return the investment to this or we can say do you know what I think that's really risky maybe let's go in this direction instead so accountants are becoming absolutely just ingrained in every area of business that is such a, a lovely message to, to end on for tonight the the proactivity the positivity Jess and Becky, thank you so much for joining us. I really, really encourage all of our listeners to go and look you up on LinkedIn. I think they'll be blown away by the quality of your profiles, the experiences, the relevance of the content that is on there. You are genuinely inspirational and um, a real great role model for all of our students to, to kind of follow, to connect with, to listen to. So thank you both so much. Thank you to the live students that have joined us this evening. Your contributions are always welcome in the chat box. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to have you join us. Thank you for those of you that have downloaded the podcast. Please continue to listen, to download, to share the link with anybody that you think these things will be useful. We had a few comments this evening of people going back over the original episode one and working their way back through. Um, Something I might do to go and be reminded of what we were talking about a few years ago. Um, Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to say that's the end of this evening's First Intuition podcast. Thank you. Bye.